Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are continuing our coverage of the Disney Plus series She-Hulk, episode four. My goodness gracious, this is a banger. This is fire. I'm excited to talk about this episode, so let's introduce the crew. First, the super producer is in the house, a.k.a. White Bread. Yes, that's it. That is his nickname. Jay Christie, how are you? Doing well and regretting some things I said last week. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That, uh, yeah, that white bread's gonna stick, buddy. And we do have a couple of guests with us. Happy to have them. First, we got Leah Marilla Thomas. She writes for the Mary Sue, Polygon, Vulture. She writes for a lot of things. Leah, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good. I'm actually recapping this show for Vulture. So relevant on the brain, ready to talk about it more. Because I think this is my favorite. This was the last of the episodes that were sent out to press and easily my favorite of the four. Same. Yes, would agree with you. And finally, we we have a uh, another newcomer here. His name is Cameron Hawkins. He writes for The Ringer now. Congratulations on that. He does some work with wrestling, uh, PW Torch, fan-sided, things, uh, things of that nature. And uh, honestly, he's a great Twitter follow. So uh, I'm happy to have him. We're happy to have him. Cam, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this has been a fun show to watch so far. I'm excited to talk about it. Yes, yes. And as customary, as we have new guests who haven't been on before, we kind of get some general thoughts of the first uh, few episodes and what the, what we've seen to this point. So, Leah, I'll start with you. Generally speaking, how have you received this show so far coming into episode four? Well, yeah. So I, I said this was my favorite of the four. I was I was on board from the beginning, but in the last two episodes, I think I really saw like what the show could be, how it could run for like seasons and seasons and seasons if it if they wanted it to, and just be a fun little legal sitcom within the MCU. Yes, yes. And and Cam, how about you? Like, how did you receive this show? The first three episodes. Yeah, some of what Leah's saying, I like that it's a departure from bad guy, we're chasing the entire season, let's power up and figure out a way to defeat him. Like, I like the slice of life stuff. That's always fun. Um, I think it's, you know, we were supposed to get the, uh, what was it, damage control or something to that effect with the guys mm-hmm. who were like cleaning up, you know, after Tony mm-hmm. Stark and after this. And I mean, this is uh, not quite that because she hoaxed a bigger character, but yeah, it's been fun just to watch a, a meta human live. Like, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, and now damage control is, like, the worst. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) They're awful. (laughs) The absolute worst for so many reasons. I would not watch a show about them. No, no, definitely not. Like, especially if, I mean, you think about the Miss Marvel scene where the clandestine folks just, like, got out of there, got out of Dodge real quick, and obviously the stuff here that we got so far. Yeah, it's a... there are a lot. There are a lot, there are a lot for sure. But but this episode begins with the man, the myth, the legend, Donnie Blaze. Donnie Blaze. Donnie Blaze. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, you know he's he's doing he's doing the tricks, and you see that he has a sling ring. So it's like, oh, okay. So there's a little connection to to Kamartage and 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 the sorcerers and everything else. He's not getting a lot of a lot of great feedback from the crowd so far. And mm. there's a little, you know, there's a little struggle. And then Jake. We've been there. We've all yeah. been there. It happens. Yep. You're, yes. you're trying to entertain some people and it's not working out. And you're like, well, I got to, I guess, summon another, another world or dimension. It just, it happens to the best of us. We got to do it. 
It absolutely does. And Jake, I think what happens here is we get introduced. I said this earlier today, and I remember when I saw this episode about a month ago, Jake and I kind of had a conversation about it. And Mm -hmm. it's fun to talk about this here now. We get introduced to one Madison King. And I Mm -hmm. have to say, in terms of side characters in the MCU, Mm-hmm. It's it's Louise and her, and that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's Louise and her. Like, oh my gosh! Like, I I, I just want to go around the room. Mm-hmm. Jake, I'll start with you here. Yeah. When Madison comes in, mm-hmm. what was your first thought when you saw her and what she was doing? First of all, I didn't think that she would be in most of the episode when I first saw her. <laughs> like, I didn't think that she'd be recurring throughout. But also, I think the thing that makes it so funny is that on paper this character could be so annoying and just like intrusive. And because you imagine the version of it written by someone who is completely dismissive of her as a person, but she actually is like, in a way, a fully rounded person who just so happens to be drunk. And like, it is a cliche thing to say, like, that's why it's valuable to have women writing behind the camera because they are sympathetic to that type of person. Um, But like the fact that she isn't completely incompetent, completely stupid, just makes all of the, dumb thing she does funnier because it's not a, i mean mm-hmm. it is a caricature but it's not a complete caricature and just also the joke of the way she spells her name is <laughs> i've been tr- i i've really it's been hard the first few episodes we recorded having seen the screeners to not say uh it's not where you think on the pod <laughs> it's really just like it's the funniest thing that they've the funniest line they've introduced in a long time oh man cam let, let me know what you think when this when this young lady showed up on the screen so you don't think of socialites as sociable. Like they exist in this space with each other, but everybody she interacted with, like it was a fully fledged, I acknowledge you as a person. And here's what I have to say to you. And here's how I'll respond to what you're doing. It was great. Like at first, like you said, I thought it was going to be a one-off and you would not see this character again after like she popped up at, at Wong's place, but no, she's throughout the whole episode. And she just, um, one of my favorite performances in a bad movie was Parker Posey in Blade 3, and she just chewed up oh. scenery the entire movie. This was that. <laughs> the this most was... correct answer. Anyone, you you are uh, in the Hall of Fame for this podcast forever because of that. Go. You're a vampire, Blade. You're gonna... Yeah, yeah that... Uh, it's classic she's stuff. great. But no, she just... Every every scene she was in, um, she stole it. She was fun to watch. Um, everything she did in the courtroom was great. And even just, like, her ruining Sopranos. Um... And the best part about it, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but you hear the Sopranos music and you're like, there's no way they're watching the Sopranos. They're literally just playing this song as as music for the background. Nope, Sopranos. <laughs> it was great. I love it. She was fantastic. Oh, oh my goodness. And Leah, when you see Madison on the screen, like how how that make you feel? <laughs> I yeah, so I was initially a little bit worried because I've seen that character be the butt of a joke so many times that it was so delightful to see her be what all of you have said already. And what I like um, is that she is competent, not necessarily by like her design, but she's not traumatized by what happened to her yeah. almost to the point where it ruins Jen's case because she's like, Oh, it's fine. I made yeah. a de- I made a deal with the demon. <laughs> it was chill. He was dramatic, whatever. Um, Oh my so gosh! I like that a lot. It it's it 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 truly is like when you just think of when you think of somebody just coming in and just kind of like stealing the show. She literally stole 
this episode in so many ways, her and Wong. And of course, your man Dom Blaze obviously gets her stuck somewhere. And then we get mm-hmm. like uh like Cameron mentioned, we get we get Wong watching the Sopranos, hashtag Washington mm-hmm. Agenda, watching the Sopranos catching up for the first time in <laughs> 2022. Shout out to he you, was Wong. Busy. No, nah, it's okay. Busy. Jake, remember, Washed Agenda is yeah. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We 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 mm-hmm. do not we do not discriminate against Wash people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Wong is Wong is watching, I think it was season five. Episode twelve, the one where they kill Adrian, where they kill Adriana, and then and then Madison shows up and spoils it for him. I felt so I felt so bad for the man because oh my gosh, imagine having this is it's I feel like it's happened to everybody at least once. So actually, let let me ask that question: Has it happened to you where a certain aspect of a show or movie has been spoiled for you at any time? Anybody can go. Yes, but like the not something that immediately jumps to mind, but it definitely has happened before um, with TV shows less so because I'm generally if it's a TV show, I'm very good at watching it immediately. But with movies, there definitely been times where especially in the Twitter age where like I'll see a joke that references a thing. And it's like, ah, shit, should have saw the movie opening weekend. I had a friend who started reading the Outlander books after the show came out and so she very quickly got ahead of the series and would start conversations with just being like oh can i just tell you like one thing just one thing can i tell you just one thing that happens you can't ever say yes to that because the next thing i know she's told me like what's gonna happen in the next two seasons and i got bored with the show eventually so it was okay but at the time i was like all right i guess i'm not gonna watch it now Mm -hmm. yeah because that's (laughs) thing it takes all your motivation to watch it when you know Mm -hmm. it's gonna end the two yeah. I can think of, um, of course, I exist on wrestling Twitter. They live to ruin things that they've seen. Um, I was at the taping and here are the results without any warning. And it's just like, God, come on. But the big one is LaShawn McCoy ruining Endgame by oh, right. tweeting out <laughs> RIP Tony Stark. And it's like, God, like, what are you doing? What are you, you, have, you have hundreds of thousands of followers. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, I've, I've absolutely had that happen. I try not to be sensitive toward it. I just, you know, pretend to hate everything now so it doesn't bother me. But yes, mm-hmm. I've seen it in real time. It's the worst. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, I think that the interesting thing with me, I, I would say, like, I'm not too crazy with the spoiler aspect of things, especially now that kind of like with what I do with this and. And kind of what I'm involved with, I tend to know a little bit more about stuff before it comes out. I will say that there was something that's coming out later this year. There's a part of it that I got spoiled on. It's a Marvel thing. I got spoiled on earlier, and I was kind of like, damn, I wish I didn't know that. So I, I think I'll it's very it, different if I'll it's it a thing that. that's not out yet. I think that that's a very different experience. Because I think for you and me, AC, yeah. like, while I am sensitive to other people's spoilers, like my advice for people who don't want something spoiled is like, unless you like literally can't just go see it opening night. Like that's just my answer to it. Like I never have had in the past, like since we've been doing the show, I have not once worried about having a Marvel movie spoiled because I've seen every single one of them, either opening day or the Friday after. So it's like, I don't, but that's why it's kind of mostly a TV thing at this point for me. Um, yeah, anyway. I mean, I think generally with Marvel stuff, I, I think at least what I try and do for people, because I, I know uh, Jerome, yeah. when he was on the when he was on the show, would mute me 
over the over the weekend because if sometimes mm-hmm. he didn't see the show and he didn't see the show or movie and I would I would see it first and then normally like I'd wait till like Monday and then I I talk yeah. about it on I talk about it on Monday wait until Monday always yeah uh but but yeah so but back back to the episode as we continue with uh now we get we get Jen and Jen is Jen's dad shows up initially and I, I love before that before her dad shows up uh, she throws that lo- that line out about Wong being in the show and it being Twitter armor mm-hmm. for a week. And it's just like that fourth wall break is just it's working perfect. I love that they don't like o- OD on it, but they just have the nice, like nice level of a little p- bits and pieces here and there. So that was fun. Her, her dad shows up and he, and he's trying good to guy. like one. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. Shout out to shout out to every wash dad out there uh, trying to support they support their children. Um, but yeah, he, he was trying to protect her. He had the shovel and everything ready to fight. And she's like, yeah, don't worry. Now, it, she didn't even go see the cops. And why should she see the cops? I, she made a great point uh, as for when it comes to women going to the police of, of, as far, un, unfortunately, when they go to the police about these things, a lot of them don't get the, get the results that they're looking for. And it's unfortunate, but in this case, in this uh, fictional Marvel show, the the woman in question happens to be a Hulk, so that helps her out. As <laughs> I, I I always think about that last that last scene of episode three where she's fighting the Wrecking Crew, and at first they attack her, she's all scared, and then she's like, "Oh wait a minute," <laughs> and then and then and then transforms. So that, that that part is cool. So so Jen is talking to talking to Nikki, and here we get the whole thing about her dating profile, and Jen is trying to. Mm. Jen is trying to figure out like what what's the best way to get matches. At first, she posts her own her own regular photo, but there's uh, more on that later. As before, she can continue on because her and Nikki are having a little bit of a, a back and forth. Um, Wong shows up again, and I mean, yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, I think a fun thing to introduce at the beginning of the episode, but I think that. Um... Jeez, I completely lost my thought after I started speaking. That well, that's how you know I've been doing this podcast stuff for four years. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah, Wong shows up looking for looking to stop Donnie Blaze, and I Wong is so amazing, man. Like I think just from the standpoint of MCU characters, and we talk about him all the time on this show. So I just want to get your get your, y'all's personal thoughts on Wong since this is your first time here. Now that we've started to see him kind of get. Just like he feels like the glue of this whole thing, especially in phase four. Cam, what do you think of what do you think of Wong the more that we see him and and, and everything like that? And honestly, this episode was kind of like a little bit of a twist for him in terms of the humor as we're starting to see more of it. I appreciate characters who take themselves entirely seriously. And that's where the humor comes from. Like everything he says <laughs> is dead serious. And he does not see like like the irony or like any type of like falsehoods in anything that he says. And that's, what's great because his whole thing, like he's the super fish out of water. He exists on a higher plane, but has to do work on ours. And so him figuring out the rules as he goes along is great, but he also indulges in things like HBO max. So he's, he's really fun. <laughs> like, I, I enjoy him. And especially when, you know, he was a living meme for the entire uh, previous phase where when something mm-hmm. was happening, he had to take off. It was yep. great. Now, like you're seeing the value in him not like 
having to leave or him not dying. Like you really see how important that is because he's very necessary and vital to so many characters right now. Absolutely. And and Leah, how about you? Are you a big Wong fan? How do you how would you uh, describe your feelings on Wong? Well, I am not a big fan of the film Doctor Strange, so I didn't really give him a lot of thought until recently, and I have become mm. a bigger Wong fan. And yeah. that's that's a really good point about him being so serious. It's kind of why I think people don't need to be that worried about Daredevil joining the mm-hmm. show, potentially bringing a different tone, because that works as a comedic device as well, if Matt Murdock shows up and is super serious and Catholic or whatever. They can easily play off of that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Jake, do Jake, do you have anything to add about? No, about I was just thinking. I was just thinking about the, the point that Leah made about Matt Murdock and everyone freaking out, and I decided not to t- again go on be angry about people <laughs> being so scared that their beloved, you know, so serious Matt Murdock is going to be sullied by a comedy. Oh heavens me! Anyway. <laughs> so okay. We meet Donnie Blaze uh, as Jen and Jen and Wong go to meet Donnie Blaze and get the cease and desist. So we meet mm-hmm. Donnie Blaze's second in second in command, his his hype man, Cornelius. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Cornelius. Cornelius uh, what oh, is his last name? Cornelius. Well, one of us wrote down the name. Okay, it will be you. Yeah, Cornelius. <laughs> yeah, Cornelius Willow. Did you guys recognize that actor from The Hunger Games? Now I do. I didn't put it at the time, but yes. He's the guy in the second Hunger Games that gets murdered. Yeah. For what? doing the Big salute. Out. I mean, in fairness, most people who Happy participate for him to have a light role. But yeah. <laughs> but no, no, the back and forth between both Jen, Wong, Cornelius, and Donnie Blaze. This Donnie Blaze character is just, just. Mwah. Chef's kisses. Chef kisses fingers. Jake, give me, give me all your Donnie Blaze thoughts. So, for one, he really is just, and I say this with no malignment. He just playing Joe Bluth, but in the MCU is really what the character is, <laughs> and I think that that's a great decision. I think that that is a funny thing to do, uh, and I really love the. Um, the way that he keeps referring to uh, magic as if it's the real magic, and I also think that this is this comes in a long line of like a million different. TV shows, including Arrested Development, clearly wanting to say the Magic Castle, the very famous magic venue in LA, but not being able to. I feel like um, if you if a show in LA lasts long enough, they will have an episode where someone goes to a place called like the Mystic Castle, like it is here. So it is funny that they like every show does that. But um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought um, you know, it was a perfect uh foil for Wong because we talk about how self serious he is. He, Donnie Blaze is also very self-serious in a way, but completely ridiculous. And so I think that that's why, like, they play well against each other, that Donnie Blaze is not, like, joking. He also takes his magic as seriously as Wong does, but, you know, he's an idiot. Yeah, for sure. And I, and it's funny, like, so I, I think he played Billy Walsh on Entourage. He's been in a, he's been in a lot of things. What's so what is his, what is his actual name? Okay, I, I can't remember his actual I name. I would know this, but I he's didn't watch Entourage. He's uh, the director's <laughs> husband. Oh, well, how, how do you like that? I know. <laughs> well, 
I always that means I get to break up my favorite joke, which is great because it works in any sort of way. Of pff, who do you have to sleep with to get that role? Hey. You know. <laughs> God damn it! Um, you always got to. I mean, it started. I first started with yes. Leslie Mann. What does Leslie Mann have to do to get in all these Judd Apatow movies? And it's funny every time. Every single time it makes me laugh. Yeah, Blaze is just uh, Blaze is just absolutely tremendous. But the thing that's going on in the background of this of this episode that's kind of like the the main underlying storyline for Jen is her trying to spruce up that dating profile and get it right. Nikki's trying to help her. It doesn't really work out there. And eventually, she you know she gets a few matches and she actually does go out on a date. But this Ooh. date. Oh my gosh! Okay, so let let so let me ask the question to to the to the panel here. Like in ter- now, me personally, I have not been on a on a single date in forever because I've been out the game. I've been out the game since she shoot. Like I, I've been married since twenty fourteen. <laughs> I've been with my woman since two thousand nine. So basically, I, I don't know anything about this this new this new fangled. This newfangled dating in 2022. So I'm, I'm actually looking for a little bit of guidance here to kind of get a little bit of a, a understanding. So this gentleman that Jen is seeing so far, A, doesn't pay attention to her. Also, on top of that, he's looking at the other women. He's talking about himself. I think the line that he says, oh, yeah, he says, um, I lived in New York. I'm a, I'm a real New Yorker. And then Jess says, oh, how long were you being there? And then he said, 14 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then he came out. That's a, he, that's a real thing. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's too true, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and then I, the best part kind of like kind of came at the end where the, when the check came. So I got to mm-hmm. ask. So and so and I know Cam got something for this. So, Cam, I'll start with you. When it when it comes to dating, and it's a first date, as far as the whole paying situation, and I know things have changed a little bit now, as opposed to back in back in my day or back in anybody's day specifically. What? How does that go now in terms of who pays for what, especially on a first date? Um, if the the person who invites you out is typically the one who reaches for the check. Um, me personally, like if I'm, you know, it's just in me. I'm a, you know, the man from the South. If we're going somewhere, I got to have enough money to go. And if mm-hmm. a check comes, I'm going to reach for it. Now, I will not tell a woman she cannot pay for her part or whatever part mm-hmm. she wants to. It's her business. We're not going to argue. But yeah, if, if you're the one who initiates it, or especially even if it's a mutual thing, like, you're supposed to reach for the check. Um, I, I've absolutely like dated women who are like, I don't want to abide by those rules. I do not want that to be the standard. Cool. Okay. You've established how you feel. We're not going to argue. But outside of that conversation, you're the man. You got to reach for the check. It's yeah. just the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the thing and, is, he didn't look yeah. like he had any intention of paying. It looked no. like he was just doing no. it on purpose. That's the problem. Right. <laughs> Leah, Leah he wants to speak. That, out. that was the longest like 15 seconds of a Zoom, it, it looked like a like a western almost like they were <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so so okay. Leah Leah what's your philosophy yeah. on all this I, I mean I am bad at um refusing people paying for me but I have I have no problem with splitting or 
picking up something either way. There's so a, yeah. Might, there's a great SNL sketch from like 10 years ago uh called uh I got it where I got this where it's um like Jason Sudeikis, Will Forte and I think host Ryan Philippi playing a dad and two sons where it's different scenarios where they go out to family dinners and they each have to try to be the one who pays. It's a classic just I recommend it. Uh and there's one great bit where like uh, Ryan Philippi suggests splitting the check and that means he's eliminated. I <laughs> just uh great stuff. But um no, I I this uh, the thing I love about this dude and I say love I mean hate. I just love this specific type of person when he says he's an entrepreneur, but he doesn't know what. Like that's Didn't it's he just a TBD specifically. Oh yeah, TBD. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> and that was the reason why he had to move to LA and not be in New York anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a guy! What a guy, uh, Jake. I didn't even Jake. I didn't even get your thoughts. What What do you think about I, like? I mean, I am very much. I my mother really instilled in me. In some, I say to an unhealthy extent of like the someone could be drinking a 20 ounce glass of water, but if they come to your house, you make sure you offer them water a million times. But if you are coming inside from a desert and someone offers you water, you say, no, I'm fine. Like that type of thing where it's like, no matter what, you always offer to pay. And if someone else offers to pay, you have to really push back. So I've kind of sort of unlearned that, but like I very much um, am always... If it's if it's my idea for anything, I'm always I will always offer to pay for everything. Um, it dep- obviously, it depends on what it is, but like and but that I think is just a. And to some extent, I think it's just kind of like uh, to avoid any of the social anxiety of it. It's like, let me just take care of it. And of course, yeah. mm-hmm. the thing I've learned over the time is that that actually just introduces a new social anxiety and you're not actually avoiding it. But these are things you learn <laughs> as an adult. So um, <laughs> my answer is I'm a work in progress. That's gotcha. funny. My my mom is super aggressive about people paying for her and she will insist no to the point where it has embarrassed me. So I've I've gone the opposite way. And so if you're like, I got this, I'm like, great. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Not going <laughs> to yeah, fight you. I probably will get there, but it definitely was a thing <laughs> where it's like, uh, some, uh, there were a couple of times growing up where we'd be like with family friends who like, even at like 10, I'm like, they make way more money than you guys. And, <laughs> and it's like, they should pay. <laughs> like, we're, we're not, we're not struggling by any means, but like, I know what he does for a living. So like, they, they really should get this check. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny. Like, I mean, growing up, both my parents would be like, listen, Take care of things. Take care mm-hmm. of things in most instances. As, as you grow up, I think as I started dating my wife and as we started kind of like, you know, get, you know, figuring each other's rhythms out and stuff like that, there was there turned it to a happy medium. And that's the good thing about like relationships when you kind of like find that person that you can be that way with. You kind of know when this person needs you to get it. And then the person knows when they they need to get it for you so like i think there's always a happy medium that's why when i watch something like this i just i would just be i just be so scared because i like you know it reminds me of that 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 twitter thread from last year what uh oh, the dude no. talking about uh del curry um mm-hmm. you want to be out here out here that's, mm-hmm. i really don't want to be out here man i really don't yes so, if you're you know, not familiar <laughs> make sure you look it up it is a person <laughs> explaining why del curry after he got divorced from sonia curry did not want to be divorced because of the ways that dating has changed since he was last <laughs> it's a classic um but no i was gonna say ac the big problem with you is if you're in this situation you'd have so much trouble convincing dates to go to early bird specials uh but anyway <laughs> Oh. AC, AC, you it's make not, your identity being washed. It's not. 
It's not. Yeah. It's actually. It's. It's. You know what, Cam? It's. Re- it really isn't. Hashtag wash agenda. He's totally right. <laughs> he talks about it all the time. All he talks about is being washed, and he just turned thirty six, like two days ago. But <laughs> oh anyway, my goodness, has it in there. I think the I think the kicker the kicker line that kind of ends this scene after Jen ends up paying for everything is that she that what you call the dude as he walks away says oh she's like a six maybe because she's he's talking to somebody else on the phone and I'm like yo goddamn wait until he was out of earshot <laughs> also what that what, what what neighborhood does he fucking live in does he like like does he live at, okay. If we insist, Jesus Christ, man, these people. <laughs> and I think, and you know, I think this this scene is kind of like an example of this show is just having fun. And I think when you're as loose and kind of like free, like I think Cam mentioned it at the top in terms of like when it comes to these shows and we have this overarching storyline about the, you know, chasing a villain or one particular villain and trying to figure out the villain. This thing is just having fun. Like it's just going through. It's a it's it's a TV sitcom. This is yes. the first time that the MCU has. I feel like kind of figured out the the TV formula, and I think they've been trying to figure it out for for a while now. With the whole, well, you know, it's kind of like a six hour movie that's just cut up, and that's I've said it before. If I ever, if I never have to watch another six-hour movie in six parts, I will be so thankful. Because uh, you know what six-hour movies should be? They should be two-hour movies. <laughs> That's what they should be. Yeah, and I think it, yeah, it's it really does speak to I think the level of freedom, and I think Jessica Gao and and everybody that that works with the show so far, they're just I think in incorporating all those elements from. You know, the the life of a woman, the woman in the workplace, like all of those things, while still being able to have the fun at the same time, I think is like it's really the perfect formula. So, I, I, like I said, I'm really digging what the show is doing. But as we as we continue here, we get the the courtroom scene and Madison is back at it again as as uh, Jen and, and Wong are trying to get. Your man, Dom Blaze, uh, to cease and desist. Uh, mm. Jake, I know you've been covering the the legal aspect yeah. of the of this show. Uh-huh. What did you think of yeah. this scene? So, first and foremost, I want to just get out ahead of it. I need to issue a small mea culpa for last week, where apparently we have two different patrons who are lawyers who explain that I was wrong on two different things I said last week. <laughs> where basically like. That while the things I was criticizing were done wrong, technically speaking, they weren't as wrong as I said they were, which is funny given that we also made the joke that no one who makes over $100,000 is a patron of ours, and we have two patron lawyers, so that's fun. Um, but <laughs> so I, I'm going to tread carefully here. So I will say, I actually think that while the bits of procedure I think are mostly wrong, I think the thing that is right and is, of course, frustrating is that... The judge's ruling that they can't issue an injunction because it is his career is definitely what would happen. In the same way that the mistrial was accurate in that, like, if you save a whole jury, it has to be mistrial because they obviously would rule in your favor. That a person suing needs to, like, really, 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 really prove their case in order to get a judge to rule that someone can't do their own livelihood. So, like, as much as it sucks without actually proving the whole case, like Donnie Blaze would mm. probably still be able to do it because like I said, you'd be telling a guy he can't do his job and the burden of proof is very high to do that. 
<laughs> I'm trying carefully. Sure. I'm trying. I do not want. I don't want my Discord notifications to blow up again. And of course, I say <laughs> kidding. I very much appreciated those corrections, and uh, I, I learned. I was reminded of a phrase about you know going over your skis. Of course, and and so again, Madison with the Madison comes through. Wong uh, yeets her out basically, and and brings her brings her to the court proceedings, and she does the she does her whole. Well, Jake, do the do the voice, do the voice, do the Madison it's voice. Not what do you think? But the thing I love about this this a visual gag I noticed this time was that she says Madison with two N's and one Y, and it's not where you think. And it cuts to Donnie Blaze's lawyer, and you can see him on a legal pad crossing something out. As if he wrote it, he wrote it wrong, and he had to cross it out. Which is just like, that's a great visual gag. This, you have Wong being so self-serious in this scene, and then you got Donnie Blaze just doing magic tricks. You got the lawyer doing magic tricks. You got Cornelius <laughs> doing magic tricks. Dare I say this is one of the funniest scenes in MCU history, capped off by the by Donnie Blaze, you know, getting getting the judge to give him a break, even though the judge is telling him to stop with the smoke bombs and everything else. And he caps it off with saying, oh, I can give you the bird, too. <laughs> Gives it the finger as he walks off. Cam, in terms of just the the wackiness of, of this show and the kind of this scene in general, where what what stands out to you here? What what did you think of it? So there's no superpower greater than an old black man believing in you. And so (laughs) some of Donnie Blaze's confidence absolutely comes from like Cornelius just rocking with everything he says Mm -hmm. for no reason, it seems, other than he just wants to go with me. Great joke on community about that, by the way. I always think I don't know if you ever saw. Yeah. Familiar. Absolutely. (laughs) But I also actually live that. Trust me. It inspires you in ways you don't know. I'm sure. Um, But with that said, um, what's really interesting to me is the difference between how the people at the show reacted to his magic and the people in the courtroom reacting because like, it's like everything's wrestling. Max Caster couldn't do any of those raps at a rap battle, but they work in front of a bunch of old white guys. They go crazy for him. Right. And so that courtroom <laughs> just went nuts for those magic tricks. And it just like Wong's absolute disgust and Jennifer's absolute disgust with these things working in the moment, I mean, they gave him credence as to what he was doing and why it was important and strengthened the idea that, hey, he has to make a living. Like, it, it was absolutely absurd, but we're in the world of absurd at this point. So it was really fun. I really liked it. Awesome. And Leah, how about you? About this scene as a comedy? It's, yeah, it's definitely a different type of comedy than we're used to from the MCU and the type that people tend to, like, make fun of with the MCU, which is that very like quippy type. Like this this is situation comedy. It is a funny situation. Um and, and, and then on top yeah. Her, her yeah, reference like saying that she's from Fort Lauderdale and her dad lives in Arizona or whatever. Just like <laughs> Shit like that. I don't know. I I definitely went to the uh, school of comedy writing of like specific details are always just the funniest thing in the world. And I could listen to her list off different places she's from for like 20 minutes. When she she says the demon's name is Jake and you hear Cornelius in the background saying, oh, I know Jake. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely... Definitely, yeah, but I mean, in terms of in terms of demons, the fact that he was like you know decent to her, like that's not it could have been worse for the Jakes of the world. Like we really, um, we, we we're not we're we're on a back foot now with uh, the whole Moon Knight Jake Lockley thing. So like this is a good balance. Yes, <laughs> Jake oh, Lockley, <laughs> 
Oh, shout out to Jake Lockley. Uh, um, so, so this scene ends with poor Wong again. He gets spoiled on the Sopranos. I just felt so bad for him. He finds out that that Tony kills Christopher in the final season. Uh, just like, oh man, he ain't even get there yet. Come on, like he can't even get close. He still had a little bit to go. Poor Wong, man. But, um, but I think that that moment actually yes. is a really good example of what makes Madison a good character. Is that she yes. one watched all the Sopranos, which is not something you'd expect from someone who acts like her. But also, and, and when they <laughs> act like her, I mean in a TV show, like a you know making fun of. Uh, but that she actually has like coherent analysis of like he was like a son to him. Like I like oh, that she God. actually has takes, which like I <laughs> I just love it because most people are well rounded. Most people have interesting things to say, and I really like that they give her interesting things to say. And a lot of people have seen the Sopranos. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Which yeah, so it, it fits the zeitgeist very perfectly, and 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 it just feels like this. Uh, even with the spoiling, Wong and Madison, best duo already. Like exactly. I, I, I just, I, oh my gosh, the chemistry is just off the charts. Uh, to get love- Romeo. <laughs> and immediately no. turned him. He did not want to hang out. She's like, "We can get Froyo. Okay, let's go." Like, <laughs> yeah, like her being in tune with his sensibilities is great. It really is. Oh very, man, it's- very in line with how he is in uh, Shang Chi too, where they're like, "We can go to karaoke," and he's like, "Okay." Shang <laughs> <laughs> he's a good hang. He's, he's very one, he's serious. A he's a good hang. He's one of those people I think who is like spent a lot of time teaching himself to be serious, but since it is, like, in some ways a put-on, not, like, being inauthentic, but, like, he has to, like, be disciplined about being serious, you just need to give him an excuse to do something fun, and he'll be like, okay, thank God, yes, yeah, 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 I'll do it. So, so Jen, so Jen, as she is trying to spruce up the the dating profile, she realizes that she's not getting any matches, and the, she even gets a notification she ain't getting no matches, which is like, damn, like, why do why they have to do it like that? But, so she decides to transform into She-Hulk to, to sp- well, spruce first, up her it's profile. it's Nikki's suggestion. It's Nikki's yes. suggestion. And so that's why Nikki is the best friend. We don't get a ton of her this episode, but uh, she's the best friend someone could ask for. Yes, absolutely. And so she immediately, upon turning into She-Hulk, gets a bunch of matches. And listen, get, get guys kind of want to, at some point in some time, you know, there's a little bit of step on me energy. You know, I, I, I get it. How are totally you the one who said it. that not? I, did, did we like switch bodies? Is this a thing that ha- I I was fully prepared to do like a whole preamble about like I don't want to be horny on main, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you just come in and it's like, okay, fine. If we, if you insist. Well, like here, like like here's the thing. And and you notice this as she goes out on these the we get the smash cut of three separate dates that she's on. Uh one, Cam, obviously you see David Atunga is is uh one oh, of the one of the dudes. Even Jennifer's <laughs> man, he loves those Jennifers. It's his thing. <laughs> yes, yes, he sure does. He sure does. So she gets a she gets a weightlifting guy, she gets this weird director guy, and then the weirdest guy of them all, who seems to be obsessed with how indestructible indestructible she is. And then as I'm watching this, I think to myself, again, oh my God, I do not want to be dating in 2022. It's just it's it, it's 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 just a lot. Le- Leah, this this scene was a lot of fun. Uh yes. what, what was your favorite parts about it? Oh well. I think easily John Bass, the like weird fanboy who also kind of wanted to do experiments on her mm-hmm. um, because I liked the, the Marvel references and I like 
how it ended when he called her a specimen because that's oh my God. that's yeah. definitely like don't don't ever call women creature specimen or anything like that's mm-hmm. literally dehumanizing like that yeah. I, I liked the show labeling mm-hmm. that um i couldn't the director i like couldn't get a read on i couldn't figure out mm-hmm. why his film was at sundance it didn't seem that interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I think that honestly i i suspect that there probably was like a bit cut out but they kept it in so it was the three yeah. that's what i take it yeah um but also i just want to say the only time it's ever appropriate to call a human being a specimen is if you are doing pre-draft analysis and there is a defensive tackle or defensive lineman who's sure, like sure, six sure, five sure, sure. then you can call him a specimen if it's but if it's not simeon rice or if don't you're like doing an experiment on them <laughs> i guess what a deep cut simeon rice wow but, okay but look up simeon rice's measurables and tell me he's not I, 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 no i'm saying i get I, like, shout out to shout, shout out to you jake uh, uh on that one uh, Cam, watching this dating scene, like in in your eyes, like if you let's say, let me put you in the chair. If you if you sitting with Jen, like what's the what? How you how are you spitting game to her exactly? It's funny you should ask. Um, <laughs> as, as I've I've dated a bodybuilder, and um, when we met, we were at brunch, and she was sitting with her friend, and I told her, um, I just said, hey, I don't want to bother you. I just want to say your physique is really impressive, and yeah. And just, you know, I felt like that was a respectful way to go about it. Uh, yeah, we, we dated for a few months. It was great. Um, you, I recommend dating bodybuilders because you get to eat a lot of food between <laughs> cut season. Oh, it's amazing. Just Chinese food all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I think that one thing people can't do is fake who they are when they date. They can do it for a little while. But like most times that first date is going to show you if not once you get to two or three but people don't it's like a job interview um as somebody who's been on a lot of hiring panels people are idiots and people don't know that they're idiots i watch people mm-hmm. just talk their way right out of a job that they had nailed because they can't stop being themselves and so like watching their first date unfold i was like oh should have done this oh should have done this maybe he could have curved this but no no the ridiculous people show that they're ridiculous um uh, mm-hmm. there's no way around it <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways, while it's echoed again at the end of the episode, I think the last guy, John Bass is I think the actor's name, right? His character, um, that, uh, he, he kind of hits on the whole central conflict of like, you can, might get more hits if you're dating a She-Hulk, but like you're getting hits for She-Hulk, not for Jen. And mm-hmm. while the fourth guy kind of like hides that for a little bit, it ends up being that too. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of like... I don't know. I, I, I've talked a lot about how, like, even though the show is very funny, because uh, we, we talked about how, like, some of the problems with the previous Marvel shows, they were, like, really tried to hammer home serious messages. And while the show is very funny, I think that the message about, you know, the way that people see you and perceive you and how they value you in this scene is actually done really well. That it's like you replace being a She-Hulk with being, you know, a statuous beauty or having some physical feature that people are really attracted to. Like, it's kind of the same. It can be kind of put in the same box where it's like, are you actually interested in dating this person or are you interested in this one attribute about them that's completely separate from them as a person? So I actually think in that respect, I thought it was like actually good commentary on, you know, dating as a woman in your 30s, a thing that I am very familiar with. Just to piggyback on that really quickly, um, people lie on dating apps and say that they love to hike. You know how I know nobody (laughs) loves to hike? Because you don't see any couples who got together hiking together. They're lying. (laughs) (laughs) and so like you said it's that thing where you're presenting something that um you know people may deem attractive in the moment but if that thing is not a constant thing then everything Mm -hmm. can fall apart and again 
they're not they're nobody's couples hiking. You know, this, this the the I think the way that you guys put it, it just brings me back to like a personal story. So I remember the first time I actually went on a date with my wife, and I remember because it had been I have been trying for a little bit, to, and you know she wasn't having any of it for a little bit. And then I kind of wore her down a little bit to the point where she would go out. So I was just like, okay. I remember thinking all the way back then, all right, the whole be yourself thing. And then what ended up happening on that date was <laughs> literally, it's just, I literally told her my whole life story. It's just like, I was, I was incredibly honest. I was honest about like everything that had happened to me in that point that it was, and after it, I had wondered if I had made a bad impression because, like, it, it just the idea of talking too much. Like, sometimes you talk too much, but I felt comfortable because this was a person that I liked. This was a person that, like, just in interactions that I've had already that that I was really interested in. So I said, you know what? Shit, if I'm going to be, if if I'm going to want to try and make this pop and make this make this thing happen... I got to be honest. And I think, yeah, honesty always is the best policy because, yeah, like you said, you can only go for so long trying to be something that you're not. Because no matter what, like Cam said and Jake, uh, Jake as well, like it, it shines true. Yourself will always shine true regardless. Like it's one of those things that I always that I always think about and not just like dating, but talking to people just generally like if you can present a face but like at some point it will always like revert back to because it's always like when it's your worst moment when it's your worst moment and when it when you're feeling at your worst that's when people see you and then sometimes like when they see that person then you realize that oh it's not the person that i met so far so like i think being consistent and things of that nature and like not only apply to dating but apply to life generally so I think that's what the show does well in the sense that like you have the you have the really fun stuff, but like like under the surface, the whole identity stuff and the dual identity and trying to deal with that and trying to find somebody that's like worth seeing and stuff like that. I think that's something that the show very much excels at. So, you know, not to not to belabor the point, but I mean, what wise words from, you know, Papa AC. You got it. I mean, I, you're going to impart this week. Josiah is going to be well equipped in the world because he's got, you know, you got this advice to give to him. <laughs> Shout out to the little man. Went to went to school today for the first time. 3K in the house. Shout out to him. Yeah, look, 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 got more swagger than his dad could ever have. So mm-hmm. I'm happy about happy about that. But but yeah, so we go back to more Donnie Blaze as mm-hmm. Donnie Blaze is up to his old and new tricks. And he, he gets another girl up there and she and she doesn't want to go through with the whole sling ring, go into another another uh, place thing. And eventually what he does is, you know, he, he brings out a, he brings out a dove and then he brings out an egg, an egg. What's in that egg? You know, you would think that the that the egg would be like another bird or something. But no, it's some real weird looking nasty ass bat creature that that, that comes out. Not not good. Donnie Blaze is a little little over his head. He tries to he tries to get rid of the bat, but then just more of them come. So of course, we find our pal Wong, who's watching. This is us. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Wong, Wong he moved Wong. on. He, he, he had to move on, find a different show. Hopefully, he doesn't get spoiled there. But Donnie Blaze was like, listen, I need some help. And then um, and then Wong, Wong springs into action. Jen is on the date with the more, at, at the time, what seemed to be the doctor. more sense. Yeah, with the doctor, more sensitive guy. I don't want to talk about myself. I, I just want to hear you. Like like all that stuff that that she wasn't getting in the first couple of dates, she's getting here. So they go back to her place, and then of course she gets interrupted by Wong. And then this was I this was say, fun. I will say yes. just to highlight a comedy moment that once again feels yes. so sitcommy is that like the bit where he gets a stain on his shirt and she throws the shirt away and like looks at like the can like just like. That I love it because as what Leo's talking about, it's not the MCU humor. It's not a quip. That is a joke that would be in any sitcom ever. And while it's yeah. not breaking any new ground with comedy, it just feels nice to have that as like a it's a familiar like ah uh, look at Jen. She just wants the guy to be wearing a tank top. How can you blame her? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and of course, yes. So Jen springs into action. She's helping Wong out. They make a they make a damn good team as they're dispatching mm-hmm. all these. He's bat folk and she's venting and and all that stuff. So uh, Wong makes the comment when um when he when he catches her with uh with with the dude, she goes, "Oh man, I'm I feel like your dad." And I was like, I was like, yeah, my <laughs> man Wong. This hashtag watch agenda showing up once again. Did um, anyone feel any sort of way about that? Because I feel like there might be some. No one. I just felt like it was a very. Uh, it felt what, like tension. A, you know, a, a, no, a, no, like a teen movie of like uh, you know someone walking in on like a, it just. That's why it felt like a dad thing, where it just felt like he was like you know a character's dad being like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were a girl in here." It just was a uh, very reminiscent of that. I don't know. I don't know if anyone had any reaction to that specific moment, but it really stuck in my head for the four weeks. I liked. I mean, I, I liked the specific line of the like, "Why aren't you answering your phone?" Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nonetheless, nonetheless, Jen and Wong are teaming up. They're getting rid of the bats. And of course, you know, after that fact, Donnie Blaze has to quit. If this was the last that we see of of Donnie Blaze, man, what an episode. There's just a just a tremendous, tremendous performance there. Shout out to him. And of course, like after after this, Jen is trying to Jen's trying to hey, she's trying to get it in. She's trying to she's trying to get this uh get this mm-hmm. thing popping. So mm-hmm. so she comes back. She even got the little like goo of the of the bad ear on her on her on her hair. <laughs> and, and then I will refer to Cameron because I know just following you on Twitter, you got somebody to draw you a a photo of <laughs> She-Hulk carrying you and <laughs> seeing this seeing this moment. Uh, yeah play out on screen how that feel for you man shout out to laura moran um fantastic artist she's done merch for me and my friends uh for a bunch of wrestlers um it was fun to finally see it like again <laughs> something about a big strong woman i just really appreciate um but no I, I, again that that role reversal of you know her taking charge her being in control um and it not coming across as like crass at all like it's just you know this is how people are um that it was really fun and one thing I also appreciate, too, is her having probably the very best physique on the planet right now, but her still being enamored with a regular man's physique. Like, like there, there's something to be said about that that's really cool. Her not being above it all when she could be above it all. That was really fun. I, I enjoyed that. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, that actually kind of speaks to what we see not too long after that with Jen back in normal Jen form. And, you know, she may be She-Hulk, but, like, that's really that's really Jen at the end of the day. And so the guy wakes up the next morning. Jen's got breakfast all prepared. She, uh, Jen's getting text from Nikki about Titania. And the and the guy shows up and she's like, um, she's like, I got breakfast and everything. But the guy's like, who are you? Like, listen, it's just very, very cold, very cold man. Got in the draws and just like, nah, I'm 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 good. I'm good. Just so uh, just so just so unfortunate for Jen. I felt legitimately bad for her there. Like, I really did. I I, I felt bad because she thought that this dude was was real and that he turned out to be a fake ass. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, uh, Leah, Leah, what did you think of poor, poor Jen? And and unfortunately, this uh, this one night stand not going the way that she thought it would. I mean, I think it, it's pitched pretty well because I I understand why she, like like I'm I'm sad for her too, but I I also don't think this this guy's not like the worst. It's it's understandable from his perspective. She's a different person than he expected. It is a bummer though, especially because she's been trying so hard for this the whole first half of the show to be like, no, I don't need to be a Hulk. I can be Jen. I'm fine as myself, and nobody wants her to be Jen. Everybody wants her to be She-Hulk. They want her to be at work. Guys want her to be, like, guys she's dating would rather see She-Hulk. That's just sucks. Yeah, it, it does. And to make matters worse, Jen gets served at the yeah, uh, ending this episode mm-hmm. as uh, Titania apparently believes that uh, Jen is violating a trademark of She-Hulk. Who knew Titania had the she- She-Hulk nickname? Man? And Jen with the fourth wall break to end the episode. Oh, guys, whew. this was um this this episode was a, this episode was a lot of fun. And while we are not we're not even halfway through, which I love in this series that we get nine episodes of this. Um, I'm going to get to the tag in a second. But just like overall, like having seen these four, how are we feeling? Uh, Leah, I'll start with you. How are we feeling like now? You've seen the four screeners because yeah. I'll just I'll just before you go, I'll just say this. When I watched the, the first four, I think the thing that stood out to me after watching the first four, I was like, oh, God damn, I got to wait a month to watch episode five. I'm like really digging the momentum of where this is going. It's a lot of fun. How did you feel? Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, and uh, we don't know where it's going, but compared to something like WandaVision, I don't really care so much. There's, you know, there's not really like, I'm fine just staying here. There's not a big mystery I need solved or anything. I'm, I'm good to see what she's up to next week, not at the end of the season. Yes, yes. And and Cam, how about you now? Now we're four episodes in. Feels like we're really cooking. We haven't seen Daredevil yet. So like the fact that we haven't, I think, is a lot. It's very He's intriguing for yep, for what for what's to come. Like, how are you feeling overall about this show? Four episodes in. No, I'm with Leah. I like jumping into stuff that I don't have to necessarily 
backtrack, see what happened and wonder what's coming. Like it's your Rick and Morty's, it's your regular shows. It's like, okay, I can jump in, see what these guys are doing for a while. This is fun. Um, and yeah, I can revisit it. It also gives like shows like this a certain replay value when mm-hmm. you don't like you're not looking for the end of the story. I want to watch this episode. This one was fun. Like that's really great. Um, I'm curious, like you said, Daredevil hasn't shown up yet. Um, you just know that episodes eight and nine are going to build up to tying into everything some type of way. So there is that sitting there too. But yeah, I'm having a good time. Like I like um, a lot of times when the world is the show, not necessarily people are like the driving plot towards one thing. So no, I'm, I'm like watching them evolve. I like watching them in the office. Like I'm having a good time with this show. Um, it's light. <laughs> light, yes. um, light is something I could use right now. It's appreciated. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think I think thinking about the MCU and everything that Phase Four has been about, like I just in terms of the messaging and a lot of the shows, there's been a lot of diversity. There's been a lot of attempts at at you know very strong messaging for them for Disney. I would say. So I think this is just honestly like, yeah, it does feel light. It feels light that you're not thinking the same. It's almost like, I don't know, when I was watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that was stressed because I feel like they were going like, they were trying to do stuff and they weren't doing it right. Mm -hmm. And it just like bothered me that they even got to the point that they were just like technical stuff and even the stuff with the race what at the at, towards the beginning and even the end to a degree i would say was not it was almost like very i mean the sam pepsi speech is the best way to put it i think that just kind of like puts everything in perspective there but to kind of bring it back here in terms of just being able to watch something and enjoy it for what it is and I think the other thing is when you watch these people on screen, also, it seems like they're having a lot of fun doing this, too. So that even keeps you more engaged. And Mm -hmm. when you get a character like Matt, when you get a character like Madison and then Wong and his element here, just having so much fun. Tatiana Maslany is killing it, just Mm -hmm. doing the thing every week. And we're still even with all these cameos and all of these people showing up, it's still her show. It's just Mm -hmm. a a lot of enjoyment so far. And uh, Jake, you, too, like. Through four, yeah. how you feeling? So, for one, I would say that it's funny, um, Cam, that you mentioned like it's like Rick and Morty, a regular show. You're gonna hop in. The thing is, it's actually like every single TV show ever before HBO. Like that's the thing is, every yeah. TV yeah. show used to be like this. <laughs> and while I love a lot of TV shows that are very like serialized. I actually think that, like, we really are losing something. The thing I talk about is that, like, the only TV shows these days that are not made with a very specific story are, like, CBS procedurals, and those aren't good. And, like, I don't like the fact that it feels like every talented person working in television is working on something that is super, like, super story-oriented. Like, I want there to be good non-super, you know what I mean? Like, I want there to be good comedy things again, and if it takes Marvel doing one to have it happen, that just makes me really happy. A thing I noticed, too, this is just kind of a general thought, and because... We talked about the first episode of this podcast about She-Hulk, and uh, we weren't going to return to it. I did notice the thing about the CGI, which obviously is lacking in a lot of ways. But I really think in watching the scenes where like she's on dates, and then the scene in the Mystic Castle, I really think the main reason the CGI looks so bad in the scenes it does is I think they really, really, really fucked up in the way that they lit the office scenes. Because in the scenes where there are shadows and things like that, it just looks way better. I think that given her office has two gigantic 
sources of light, it just makes it feel really inauthentic. And like a lot of the ways to cover up bad, not bad CGI, but like to make CGI look smoother is to use shadows and stuff. And that was the thing I noticed where like in the dating scene, the CGI looks perfectly fine. Um, and you wouldn't even notice it. I think it's really just the scenes that take place in the office that uh, hmm. are lacking. And so that was just an observation I made while watching it. Um, and so, you know, I don't know what the show's already done, so they really can't take that advice. So they can't relike those scenes. But I'm like, oh, I feel like if they had gave her some blinds, people wouldn't be complaining as much. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, no, that's absolutely interesting. I no, I didn't even. Th- yeah, the more you think about it, like in terms of even her hair and stuff like that, like it does look more defined in those dating scenes and a little bit more as far as like the the lighting in in those rooms and stuff like that. But but then yes, go ahead. Leah. They'd be complaining about how dark it is. Because oh, I see, I see uh, that you, complaint from backseat cinematographers, yeah. all the Sorry. time. I, I, Leah, you're absolutely right. I would just, I, I made this. This is a dumb mistake I did. I did not clarify that I was talking about the five percent of reasonable people on the internet. But yes, I, <laughs> I, yeah, so, I mean, the main reason we tabled the CGI discussion is because, like, so many critical discussions of. Marvel properties or any sort of nerdy property is that it is so often co-opted by people who just don't like the thing on its face to say why they don't like it. So, yes. um, yeah, same thing with like the Megan the Stallion scene, which obviously we celebrated uh, last week because we are red-blooded Americans. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, anyway. Absolutely. And and finally, so we do get it. We get it another post-credit scene and it's just Madison Wong, the, the dynamic duo talking about drinks. And really that's mm-hmm. how... Any that's how any you would love one any episode that featured both of these two characters to end in them talking about drinks and your man Wong again. Hashtag watched agenda ruling. I hope we see more Wong in this series. If we don't, though, great performance. Madison, my goodness gracious. It just he, excellent. I was really stuff. expecting I was really expecting in this scene. I was yes. Oh, 100 percent I really was expecting in the scene her to say something like, Do you have a crock pot? You don't want one of those because that he dies when it <laughs> yeah. blows up. I was really expecting that. This um, is less is a very spoilable show. That thing I haven't full seen of it. Twists. I just know that that happens because uh, Crockpot got mad. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> the pre-Peloton. Oh, right. <laughs> I completely forgot that that happened too. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, She-Hulk is four episodes through. This has been fun. Looking forward to continuing. Uh, both Leah and Cam want to thank you guys for joining us. This has been so much fun. First, Leah, tell us where we can follow you and find your work. Okay. You can follow me at Leah Marilla. As I said a little earlier, I'm, I'm recapping this show um, at Vulture. I also write for Cosmopolitan, uh, The Mary Sue, Polygon. I'll probably be doing some Walking Dead stuff for them soon. No. This is this. Yeah. That's actually my pitch to Polygon. Just let me write for you again. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll make sure to get to them. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yes. Oh, well, wait, wait. Also, also, I. Continue. Continue. I was a consulting producer on. Uh, the newcomers podcast for their Marvel series. So okay. I, I helped guide uh, mm-hmm. Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer through the MCU. And so there, we can get a lot of my Marvel thoughts that away. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. That's, that's thing. That was awesome. Journey. No, <laughs> hey, you, you landed the bird regardless. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for, for, for joining us. And, and Cam, appreciate you, brother, for, for hopping on. Where can we follow you? Where can we find your work? Doing some stuff with the wrestling. 
Yeah. Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, it's Seahawks, C-E-E-H-A-W-K. Um, Pro Wrestling Torch, uh, fan side of DDT. Finally got published for the first time in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, only so that I could send it to my grandmother and my mother because they have no clue how digital media works. So they have a physical <laughs> magazine now. They made me really happy. Um, but yeah, um, recently started with The Ringer off of... That's a story I got to tell another time. But writing wrestling for The Ringer, uh, my first story was on uh, Absolute Ricky Starks, a uh, friend of mine in real life, amazing guy uh, in front of the camera. I'm just talking about um, his plight, his struggle, his passion, everything he wants to be in the world of wrestling. And um, I'll tell the story as fast as I can. I'm working it in my head. So they mm -hmm. do this thing on Twitter where they ask you if you were the most popular person from your high school. And I tell people, absolutely not. Why? Because I... Number one, went to the same high school as James Roday from Psych. And so oh, shout that to James makes me Roday. Listing. Mm -hmm. um, if you all are familiar with BTS at all, who isn't familiar with BTS? Remember they had that reality <laughs> show where they were learning how to become stars? Um, yeah. My buddy from middle school and high school, Tony Jones, was their coach. And so, yeah, he's mm -hmm. the most famous person overseas now. It's the weirdest thing in the world. And then um, third, but certainly not a distant third, uh, my friend Sam Avila, was uh, one of the art directors on Spider-Man No Way Home and is an art director on the up-and-coming oh. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And so Sam did her first Comic-Con in San Diego. She is the most timid, I don't think that I'm a big deal person you've ever met. And so we're planning a Twitter Spaces before, uh, before Guardians 3 so that people can get a feel for who she is and these cool things she's made. She's made. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. That, yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate you both both for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Jake, where can we follow you, brother? Well, first and foremost, I want to say my goal in life is to be the most famous person from my high school. And it's actually not to be that hard because <laughs> I just have a couple like there's like a couple of people with a cup of coffee in the NFL and the MLB. So um, like technically speaking, it is actually not. I actually don't have to do anything more than podcasting, to be frank, in order to get to win. So I'm hoping to do that. <laughs> but um, at the Jake Christie's where you can follow me. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, just keep listening to the show. Your AAC is going to give all those important follows. But uh, I also want to thank uh, Lee and Cam for hopping on. Very valuable opinions talking about this episode, which I've been waiting for for a month. Yes, yes, absolutely. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash MC University Pod, where you can get bonus content such as subscriber mailbags every month. Uh, we just did Only Murders in the Building season two recap there. So we have a lot of fun talking about a lot of different mm -hmm. things, and I'm sure not too long the from Discord, now. Though, I mean, today, I don't want to say that there was some good stuff in the Discord's uh, World Events channel today, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> some good memes. <laughs> some good memes. <laughs> it's $3. You can see the memes. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. And, yes, there was yeah, there was a, a lot going on today. It was a, it was a banner day, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Um, on on the Twitter app, but nonetheless, appreciate everybody for for listening and and interacting with us and all that other stuff. But also make sure you five star review, five star, five star, and five star. So for Leah, for Cam and Jake, this is Anthony Canton the Third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.